Hi everyone, Claire here. We would like to start the season by dedicating it to the memory of Simon Files, who passed away in April of 2021. Simon was an international award-winning filmmaker, artist, and curator whose work shaped screen dance both on and off the screen. Simon's support of the Frameform team and dedicated mentorship of many a young artist are shining examples of how one can extend their dance film practice to the realm of connecting and sustaining the field as a whole. We hope to continue Simon's legacy and have included links to several of his films in the show notes. We have also included a link to Trees for Life, which his family has requested donations to in his honor in lieu of flowers. We send our best thoughts to his close family and friends during this time. From Rixie, this is Frameform. And we're back for another season of movies, moving, and everything in between. We covered a lot of ground in season one, and this year, we're digging even deeper. From conversations and cautionary tales with fellow dance and filmmakers. So if people don't like what I do or what I do, I don't care, it's my life. It's taken me a long time to get to this one, like a very long time. To talking trends and tricks of the trade, to me, obvious advantage is that you can slip this in and out of your pocket and just film as the muse calls. I start like focusing on the post sound and it opened up a world for me that I loved it. And our ever-evolving culture of creating and sharing. New episodes every Wednesday. Always relevant and on demand. Hello and welcome back to season two of Freeform. Yay! <laughs> oh, we've missed you. I've missed you. Same here. I can't believe it. We made it to um, 2021. You know, we are moving forward and we're back with, like we have said, going up to this moment now that we're going to bring you more topics to dive into and discuss and all of that. Oh, you better believe it. I had so much fun the past month or so, like just planning everything and brainstorming and figuring out who we're going to bring on this season. I'm really excited about all the plans we've got. Now it's just time to execute. That sounds kind of aggressive, but (laughs) you know, just like make it happen. Just do the thing. Yeah, you got to make it happen. Yeah. Though I have to mention, if anyone is in search for a planner or a general organizer of things, Jen Ray is your lady, everyone. She's like, yes. <laughs> Round of applause. Hey, I mean, I, I credit my blue light blockers. I'd like to thank Google Suite. Uh, I'd like to thank <laughs> having multiple screens. Uh, I don't do it alone, and I'm extremely fortunate. <laughs> well, as we're diving into today, we'll be talking about the topic that we've all been kind of waiting for, which is warehouses, films that take place in warehouses. You've seen it before, and it's now time to cover it. Can you even talk about dance film or screen dance without talking about warehouse films within the first three to five minutes? I mean, honestly, they're so prevalent that it's bound to happen. Yeah, if you had like a stereotypical dance film, it would be someone doing moves in a warehouse. Like they're so ubiquitous. And I mean, I know from a programming perspective and especially I'm sure both of you concur that, you know, reliably, you know, 
a good chunk of the films are going to be warehouse films every year. Like at the it, bare minimum, like ten percent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like if if screen dances or dance films were staple items of clothing, for example, this might be like your denim jacket. It is just so oh, prevalent. Yeah. And it's it's almost a rite of passage for some people. You know, you, you get to a certain point where you have a warehouse setting and it's it's not always a bad thing, but I feel like they're so common that from a programming perspective, as soon as I see a warehouse film, it's put itself into a subgenre because there's so many yeah. that I know I'm going to see. I love that you said that analogy because, you know, one thing when I was preparing for this topic was, you know, playing around with, with the Google search of just writing <laughs> dance film, yeah. you know, or even um, maybe going on Facebook because there's a lot of dance films that are just shared on social media in general. Totally. And one of those is bound to be a warehouse dance film, which is just so hilarious, but it's just so iconic that, you know, location plays a huge part in dance films and warehouses is definitely at one of the top of the list of those locations. Speaking of films that we see on Facebook first, this film Letter by Zeko Bozic from Slovenia, it's amazing how this dance film, which linked in the show notes, really addresses, you know, kind of YouTube culture. Now, I know even by saying that, it kind of sounds like maybe this is an older film because a more contemporary cultural commentary might look at TikTok or something, mm-hmm. you know, or even Instagram. Like I, But this is really, I, I think, an iconic film that was released in 2017, and it was really viral online, but also went on to have a very you know, it was very popular internationally at, at film festivals, including yeah. my own, which I, you know, screen it pretty much every year. Anytime I have a youth or family-friendly event, I put this in there because it is just that good. And I know you both have seen it. So what are your thoughts about Letter and how it is an example of not just a, a strong dance film, but the use of a warehouse space? It's funny because at first, before diving into this topic, I've always been someone that was like, warehouses is overplayed. I'm done with it. Like, why do we have to keep seeing this location in general? Like, come on, like pick somewhere else. And as I was watching it from this different lens of like research and like why a warehouse in the first place, this one was like a great one to start with because and one of one thing that we put in our notes that I noticed, I think Jen, you put this down. It was like a blank space. So it's like that limbo that we don't know where the location is, but it is a location in some way. And for instance, this film, it's all narration, and to me, and it starts with a solo too. So to me, it kind of felt like this was his mind, totally. like he's talking to himself. And the lo- the the brain of his mind is this warehouse. You know, it's big, it's empty, it's just him. But as we go deeper into the story and what he has to say of writing this letter, you know, there's more people. So it's like more thoughts are, you know, being inter- entered into the brain sphere of this warehouse space. And then it gets more specific where he's going into a part in the warehouse that's like a room. And I was thinking of like compartmentalization of the brain, totally, you know, yeah. like where these, we have these separate thoughts in different parts of our mind and how it shapes us 
the brain, the warehouse. Again, like I didn't, I never thought of that in that way before. And I think Letter really does a good example of how space in a warehouse works. And one thing I always ask myself when I'm watching these warehouse films, like, can it be in a different location? Mm -hmm. And in this specific film, no, I think the warehouse is the perfect location for this story. Yeah, I mean, compartmentalizing, you just said it right there, Hannah, like that really does utilize that. It really takes the space to a whole nother level um, as far as like the message of the film goes. And also the composition within it as well. Like you can tell like this is very much like a site-specific and site-responsive choreography that's being created here. I mean, I love that moment when um, I think it's Seiko himself who actually like rises up and then he's looking at himself in the mirror and we see like the even see sort of like that in the foreground and then in the background we see even some movement there. And it really uses depth and um, framing very, very well. But yeah, one thing and... Definitely bear with me as I go on this thought. But one thing I kind of like in sort of dances in warehouses too is sort of like, it's like graffiti, like another form of graffiti in a way. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so like instead of, you know, warehouses that have murals of art that's not, you know, publicly sanctioned, um, but in a hidden location, it's it's dance that I guess in the world of these films is not publicly sanctioned and hidden as well. I love that. Yeah, and it's sort of like, you know, the warehouse, and I picked up this great quote, and it wasn't just just describing warehouses, but having, like, the warehouse be a liminal space, like, sort of, like, acting as sort of, like, um, intermediary between, between, like, what is here and, like, another place out in the future, and kind of becoming a space for transgression and repurposing as well. Because a warehouse, you can make it anything you want. Yeah, these spaces can be anything that you want it to be. Like they can be framed as like a post-apocalyptic sanctuary or framed like you'd see in like gangster movies as sort of like a hideout where people can you know, can return to. And I think that the flexibility of the character of the warehouse is something that draws people to it. And this is one case where in Letter, I feel that the character, the character of the warehouse is a character in the film without being like the front and center highlight of the film. Yeah. It's funny because this film almost takes a bunch of tropes and commonly seen elements such as a warehouse, such as hip hop movement, such as using voiceover and actually configures it in a way that it really works. And I think that part of why you're able to connect to it so well is the fact that it does use the voiceover and the poem. And the structure of the poem helps you, it's literally written into the, into the content that you're struck, the thoughts are structured and it makes it easier to structure the film by way of what kind of shots are we seeing, who's involved, how are we moving from one space to the other, you know, as you both touched on. And this, this particular warehouse, I think has a lot of aesthetic elements that functionally work for this film as well. And I think just the topic itself about what the letter is about and how you were bringing in things that we have seen before with hip-hop, I think also that goes along with what they're wearing and their costume. I mean, we're seeing a very unified black attire with 
sneakers, um, black athletic sneakers. And I don't know, there's some, there's definitely a unity there, but also it's again, that cool factor aesthetic, like playing along with the warehouse. So in a way this like, this blank slate of what I'm saying is the brain uh, the collective brain of people, you know, it's also just playing on this kind of hilarity of how social media influences one another. And when they're dancing all together in that one moment where the sun is just beaming down, it's kind of like this natural spotlight on them of just like existing. And when they're moving at the very end, it's just kind of like, you know, let your thoughts roam, let yourself roam, let you be free in that moment. And it works just within the mind, even though it's like there. And as I'm like saying this out loud, I'm kind of thinking like, oh, wouldn't it be crazy if like the the whole structure just kind of like melts away yes. or yeah. something? While they're just like in this free thought. Anna, that's your department, that would... right? You can make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, slowly bit by yeah. bit deconstruct it. Then now I'm like, as I say that out loud, I'm thinking, well, maybe that would just play into this all whole nother level of like, what if the brain is like, you know, torturing the soul there? <laughs> I don't know. But it's a beautiful moment when that sun just hits in through the windows. Yeah, I think that there are elements of the space that really heighten the um, the reception of the movement. And another element that really drew me in was sort of like that chain and hook that was hanging down the ceiling the entire time. Yes. Almost like this sort of like this weight, I mean, sort of like this weight or sort of this, you know, trapping element. Like lifting. Like it's almost like the chain, even though the chain is stationary, it's lifting them up. Mm -hmm. that imagery you're seeing. Or it could be like a hook that catches you. Yeah, I think that that ambiguity is also very interesting as well. And I think that that ambiguity is absolutely present like in the world of, you know, social media content creation and sort of the culture surrounding it as well. 100%. But yeah, it's very interesting to see a space used this way. And Actually, I want to propose the next film with sort of a mind-bending moment that we had just prior to recording. Um, and I guess I'll share that in um, when I introduce the film itself. So the film is called Mass by Foulet, whose company is Tetrapode, uh, based in France. And this is a film that is sort of an allegorical take on the, on the refugee crisis in Europe. And it features, first of all, a single, well, I'll say single shot, not single take. It's a single shot film that follows a mass of dancers around a warehouse space. Now, we only see the interior of the warehouse space, but check comparing the interior to the exterior picture that Jen managed to Google and <laughs> post in our show notes right before filming... First of all, it's amazing what how you can transform a space and like what kind of context you can give a space just through framing alone. A reason this film works in this space is because it really utilizes specific elements of this space. There's sort of like this control box that the group finds itself going in and out of. Um, there are even like these little rails, like these little uh, cargo rails that uh, sort of give you this image of, you know, people traveling from one location to another. 
And it re- there really is an interesting play on um, both extreme close-ups and kind of creating the on- a really cramped on-screen world and then just showing the whole vast space ahead and showing the whole vast journey that these people are traveling through. Totally. And I think this film's a great example of just good use of a location that based on these basic principles that would be anywhere, meaning, you know, more specifically use of light and site-specific choreography and framing of your shots, like actual composition and use of the space. This film does that so well. And I love, um, especially when they use like the pillars, I got a major like Home Alone vibes from that. Shout out to Batsheva and Addie Halfin. Like <laughs> it reminded me of that, you know, and that's probably where the cheat shot was as well um, yeah. or the mm-hmm. edit. But yeah, this film, it really embraces the architecture and is so satisfying to watch, but it helps you again, like Hannah was saying with letter, like compartmentalizes and structures the space. And even the way see different dancers at different times and they flow in and out. Like it has a rhythm to it. And the use of light, I mean, any location that you're using, you need to consider natural light, but also what you can control in the space. And this just adds a level of visual interest, but also practical assistance that is really unique to this warehouse film that I don't typically see in a lot of others. Um, So if you watch the link in the show notes, you'll see like the – just the detail on the structure is so beautiful and stunning. To me, I felt like this film was a moving stage. I mean, with all dance films, we could say they're moving stages. But for this one, like, there was so many, I guess, like, things that I would see on an actual proscenium at a concert, you know, of how... um just transitions happen with dancers in the space and how things move. But what I felt about this one was the camera was constantly moving. Like you, I couldn't see this space, this dance film in a, in, in any other location. I was like sitting there thinking, cause I, that's the first thing I always say to myself when I'm watching warehouse films. Cause I'm like, well, why did they choose this? Why does this, work or not work. And for this one, I felt that it was just because there was so much reveal and conceal as if like the frame itself, like where the frame stops, that's like the wings right there. You know, you can't see them past that frame. So when specifically this one part where there's a duet going on and I'm just like watching how just like the dust come up from her shoes and her legs and how that adds like this texture of what the location is like. You know, you don't get that moment in the woods. You're not going to get that moment in a blank space. And with all of that, just the dimension of just constantly moving helps really push the dimension in this narrative, basically. I think a common theme, no matter what filter or selection of films we're looking at, whether we're saying, okay, we're focusing on sound today, we're focusing on this kind of location, we're always going to return to the strongest examples or, um, I don't want to say strongest in a way where it's like there's some that are better than others, but it's like there's some (laughs) films that just register in a certain way or 
um, have a certain level of integration that it, like we just marvel at because they're such amazing examples of this unique hybrid form. You know, anything that is not only set, you know, when you're there filming it, you're set, you're setting the movement and everything specifically for that space, really making use of different locations within the location, um, adding texture and life and dimension to the, to the location, getting really good sound. And then on top of that, just really clearly structuring what you're putting out there and, you know, less is more, but this is a great example of a film that's, uh, how long is it? Like 10 minutes? I think the runtime. Yeah. I think it's like 12. Yeah. Runs around 12. And I don't feel like I don't always have the bet the most patience when I'm watching. I do. I have a decent attention span, but after about (laughs) nine minutes, I'm like, okay, like this is long. And this film really uh, divides up sort of vignettes within the within the greater work that keeps it moving throughout. And I think that it does help the way that Hannah um, described, like dividing up these stages or this moving stage because it Mm -hmm. keeps your interest. Camera movement, just in general, just helps a lot. Because imagine this film just being stationary. If they had just the tripod, that would be, then that would be actual proscenium (laughs) performance. And less interesting. Or yeah, if they rotated it like that. And I think whoever steady can this great job yeah. this because you definitely kept the ball rolling the whole time this would be a nice live venue you know right right it, it would be a beautiful proscenium space but when if it was like if i was standing in the middle of it yeah I yeah but the I, fact you're able to move it it makes it so much more satisfying i find as someone who has performed in warehouses, um, <laughs> they are not the most fun spaces to set up proscenium stages. I mean, it's an interesting, you know, take on performances, but um, also if you have no heat control and no cooling control, it can be a little bit challenging. <laughs> hey, you were promised tricks of the trade and cautionary tales. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> True that. True that. Yeah. Not all warehouses are equal. Some have water and electric, which makes it a lot easier for you to do a film shoot. Whereas some might have rat feces, garbage, uh, neighbors, perhaps dwellers, and um, might not be safe or hygienic to actually Mm -hmm. execute your film. Yep. So do your research. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But I wanted to touch on um, the notion, a notion that um, I think it's Harmony Bench who speaks about when talking about common locations. And there's like a difference that they make between no place and any place. And I feel that warehouses kind of veer between these two areas. So any place refers to a generic location. So here is a generic beach. Here is a generic forest. Here is a generic grass because, and we're here because we needed some grass. We needed a forest. We need, yeah, we need, we needed just the specific location. Whereas no place sort of proposes itself as sort of like this, forgive me, black mass where that is very much independent of the world that we're creating or living in. Well, and aside from a black box theater or I, I can't really think of many other spaces that would represent that more than a warehouse, mm-hmm. which is yeah. perhaps why we see it so often. And practically speaking, um, 
it is that blank slate and it is the most like a dance studio. There's a reason why we keep seeing parking garages, rooftops, dance studios, um, deserts, deserts, you know, Mm -hmm. anything that's a big, wide open flat space. People want to dance there and it's a beautiful thing, but it also means we see a lot of the same stuff being done and it can be helpful to actually group these sorts of films and look at it through that lens because you can see, okay, how, how have 17 people used a warehouse? What have I found really effective to watch? What, what has seemed to be limiting, you know, maybe in the warehouse, you saw something in the back, in the background that was distracting or you felt yeah. like the camera didn't move enough around the space and wasn't free to like explore or look around, you know? So you can you can learn a lot by watching and categorizing them in this way. So hopefully this is something that as we go through the season and look at other locations, um, we're sort of building our almost textbook understanding of how these tropes or these subgenres actually work. Jumping into our last film... It's funny when I, when we first started, I was saying like, you look up a film, uh, just the word dance film on social media or Google and you're bound to find a warehouse film. So this is how I found this <laughs> film because I wanted to like, you know, I, you could always have good examples, but there are such things as, um, we're not going to say bad. We're going to say maybe like poorly executed, um, of what a warehouse film may be generally seen to the public. So in this film, Medicine by Charles um, Baldessera, we have what we would call a um, quintessential dance film that we found on the internet. And um, we have two dancers dancing in probably the most cleanest of the warehouses that we have been looking at. It looked like they definitely used a power washer. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like almost (laughs) some kind of, it looks like this was probably like an actual working warehouse that, um, and this was just like a little area, maybe not a little area, but like a wing that just doesn't get used like it used to was. Yeah. Um, whereas the prior two films that we were just discussing about are basically abandoned. They don't, maybe they're rented for film sets, but, you know, you're not seeing, um, you know, so that someone definitely swept the floor in this film. Yep. Yeah, there's no dust <laughs> and there's like machinery in the background. It's almost more like a factory. The weird thing is the dancers are dirty. Yeah. In yeah. this one. But I feel like it's makeup. Exactly, it's makeup. They're weirdly dirty. They're they someone someone from the makeup department came and made them dirty because it's a warehouse, yeah. and it's okay to wear um, basically barely anything in this kind of space. So the whole film is about addiction in a qu- quotation marks. There's some elements that are really cool. I mean, I think it's shot very well. And um, I think there's some very wow moments. There's use of VFX where there's this moment where the woman, she runs her hands down the male's arms and you could see like the veins light up. And there's also a huge jump moment where it turns into a costume change. But the whole question is, it's like, 
like I've said, for each location, for each film, why are they in this location? And I question, why are they in this location? <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever. On top of that, like looking at the beginning of that woman's jump and the ending, like at the beginning, I'm like, she's not making that. Like, it looks like she's going <laughs> to belly flop right on the concrete there. Movie magic. <laughs> Suspension of disbelief. It's a Matrix moment. You know, <laughs> they had like all eight cameras set up and they just like did that moment. Yep. <laughs> That's why the production value is so high. <laughs> I mean, to answer your question, you know, why why this location? I think the appropriate location would honestly be like, this is going to sound shady, um, like a ballroom stage or like... A, a dance convention or competition. This would be like your senior okay. contemporary number. Um, I'm not just yes. saying that because of the song, but just even like the t-shirts and like we're disheveled. And it's so hard because... Way too clear of a narrative. Yeah, speaking in stereotype, not stereotypes, but like speaking in, in tropes or conventional... Um, imagery, like this is how you, dance is hard to communicate, to, especially to non-dancers. So we rely on lyrics, we rely on visual cues. So like mm-hmm. good intentions to, to do a film about a serious issue, yes. The vibe I'm left with, this is inspired by the So You Think You Can Dance generation <laughs> and belongs 100%. on like... You know, on on the stage at a dance competition weekend. I feel you so much there. Um, yeah, it's very much of the so you think you can dance generation of like you know emoting every possible moment and in order for someone to get it. But something that I was thinking about warehouse films is that, I mean, I think music videos and dance film can. I mean, I think music videos can make great dance films. But when they're not made great, I feel that the music is to the music video as the warehouse is to the dance film. It's as if like the location is there to speak for the film. And I didn't even know, like I had to look in the description to see where this location was. And apparently like this is an old glass factory in France, which I mean, cool. But at the same time, like there's a sort of connection that maybe the choreographer has to the space and maybe the dancers have to the space that's just not being communicated. And I mean, that is hard to communicate, but like, how do you build upon the resonance of that without having it just be a backdrop? Exactly. And again, it's like the question of like, you know, I know some people would say, when I think of addiction, I think of some shady location how is this warehouse a shady location? It doesn't look like one to me. I think that the couple in this circumstance and the way that they're dressed, I would have rather see them, yes, on the proscenium stage. I mean, it's all continuity. But also if I were going to say like as a film, why don't you do the bedroom? You know? Yeah. There's a lot of conflict in home. Yeah, this is a domestic issue, not like something they go to an auto factory to deal with. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm not saying like, oh, go to like a seedy apartment or anything like that. Like addiction happens in this instance. It's clean. So why don't you just do it somewhere? Like I was thinking in the bedroom, you know, like you're, he's there looking so just in bad shape basically. And then she turns into having an addiction. It, it would just look, I think it would 
be a little bit stronger as well as just playing around with furniture like there is no interaction of environment in this film on like being in different rooms in letter being coming out of different parts of the warehouse in mass where this one is just like we just chose the space because it was big and we can use it. <laughs> and they're like, there was no, um, there was no kind of, you know, problem there, you know? You know, it was just kind of like, let's just play into the trend and go there. There was no constraint yeah. in yeah. picking a space. And I think that's a poor part of delivery of narrative, delivery of film, and product all around. And it made a staff pick in Vimeo. <laughs> they love dance, though. If it's shot on a good enough camera, it has a certain caliber of, like, recognizable song. The people are at a certain level visually, if you know what I mean. Um, the clothing is at a certain level minimally, if you know what I mean. Yep. It'll yep. usually get a staff pick. But yeah, you touched on a, an interesting point there, Hannah. And I think that having a more constrained space would have brought so much out of the choreography and, I mean, so much out of the camera work as well. But I think a large part of why dancers do choose warehouses, um, whether it's on a um, founded presumption or not, is because a lot of them are you know, abandoned spaces and don't require like things like film permits and don't require, you know, extra mm -hmm. clearance, which means usually means extra numbers on the budget. So I think that that's one reason dancers are drawn to these spaces. Practically speaking, it can be a really good option, you know, as long as, you know, you address the safety elements that we already discussed. And of course, like dancing full out on concrete surface is probably not good for your longevity. Um, you know, keeping those things in mind, it is a good option for for someone starting out with a with a dance film or with a certain vision. It it really can work, and I think the great message here is that there are so many examples out there to to with from you can learn from. Um, one we didn't talk about today because we talked about it last season was Warehouse Samba. And I think that's one that yes. touches on these ideas of um, embracing your location visually with your choreography and also of course with the sound because that was the episode that we talked about that film um we'll mm -hmm. also link that episode in the show notes in case you missed that i think that point is so important of just integrating the space with your choreography i mean and that goes for any location warehouse or not you know that's the reason why you're making a film there and if you're not going to address the space, then why are you even making a film in the first place? Mic drop. <laughs> but go ahead. And on top of that, like, you know, all spaces have a history. And it's, you know, behooves any dancer, even if the space is abandoned, to learn that history and learn, like, what's come, like, what was, like, what was this place before it, you know, was abandoned and cleared out? Like, maybe, like, try to try to tell that story. And again, going back to the point of, you know, being bringing personal history into this, um, and the, I mean, the, definitely from a programming perspective, 
a lot of people choose these spaces because of their personal and historical significance. And there's a lot of context that you need to bring into the film itself without having people read the description of the film in order for that to communicate. Oh, yeah. 100%. I think that's the most important point there, Claire, is, you know, even just with dance, like, you shouldn't be able to, you know, get to know the choreographer or anything like that. You know, it's art in general, too. You look at it, you interpret it the way that you see it and understand it the way that you see it without even having to read that little index card that's posted right next to the work or in the program. Like, half the time, maybe even less, people are not going to read that. And I admit that I'm not, I am that kind of person sometimes. Claire and I are both like, well, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, I I think that's a really important point of just making any kind of art, you know, like just make it as clear as possible, but maybe not as clear as, um, you know, putting makeup on your legs to look like (laughs) you're a bad, addicting kind of person. And I think it is so hard to really balance that. Like, how are you clear enough for your audience to understand without needing to take like a master class before watching the work or needing to read like a huge essay? Of course, we, you know, there's, there's, incredible value in work that is detailed and layered like that, that you have to really study up for, but that's not every film. That's not every dance. And especially when there is this general goal to reach enough of a broader audience, we do need to have those easy entry points. And I think that is why something like medicine, even though it's not, you know, we, in our opinion, not near one of the best warehouse film examples or factory film examples, there's a reason why a film like that still becomes really popular. And it's because the film familiarity of it, the movement, the look of the dancers and the setting. And with that said, I do also want to shout out when we've seen warehouses used in other films, you know, like um, I'm thinking specifically of Footloose. Like that is an (laughs) iconic scene. And I'm I'm not surprised that many people and and a very simple scene like the movement's kind of you know a little bit risky but in general it's a pretty clear cut concept and I'm not surprised that classic examples like that inspire people to be like I can do that I can make a dance video I can go in an abandoned space for a couple hours with my friends and try and make something happen And I do hope people continue to still do it because we have seen so many awesome examples of it um, and we continue to see, but we just encourage everyone to maybe do a little bit of homework and hopefully this episode has made that easier for you by compiling a few um, examples of that and also just specific, uh, just trends we see uh, across time with those sorts of films. We are paying attention, you know, like... There are people that are, uh, I don't want to call it gatekeeping, but we are kind of, you know, setting <laughs> setting examples out there. I think the main thing is like we've seen, we see this trend, we see this trope a lot. So the sort of like the barrier, I mean, I don't want to say barrier for entry, but like the bar is super high as far as the quality of work 
that's been created here. So you have to be very considerate about what you're putting in this space and by proxy what you're putting on film. Like don't outsource your idea to a space. Like really get to utilize the space in both the development of the movement and the the camera choreography. Well, that was a riveting conversation, y'all. But so good to be back. Yeah. It's so good to be back. Good to be back. And we have so much more to come. This was only the first episode. Oh my gosh. So thank you everyone. And um yeah, we'll see you next week. Oh, and that said, we're doing something really fun this season, which is an audience survey. So we all want to, we do want to talk about more locations coming up this season. Yes. So yes. we were brainstorming. And I'm sure anyone listening is thinking of like examples right now because there are frequently used spaces. Um, so since I I like introed the idea, I'm going to have Claire and Hannah share what our two options are that we're going to be surveying um, because we do want to do another location episode. Please uh, log on to social media and be on the lookout. We are going to be voting or you are going to be voting for the next location, and we're giving you the option of deserts and water. Well, whether you're too parched or too oversaturated, this is your chance to uh, choose your destiny. And your destination. (laughs) Whether or not you like warehouse films, um, you kind of have to accept you're going to see them a lot. So I like that. Watch films, see what's working, see what's not working, and really... You know, be considerate if you decide to create work in one of these spaces. Couldn't say it better than that. We'll see you next week. <laughs> next week, we'll be talking about screen dance for smartphones, and we have Andrew Chapman from the Mobile Dance Film Festival co hosting with us. So we can't wait for that. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at frameformpodcast at gmail.com. And engage with us on social at FrameformPod. That's Frameform P-O-D. If you like what you're hearing, leave a review and rate the show. It really helps out. And if you know someone who also likes dance or film, join the conversation and bring your friends. Frameform is a production of Rixie. Hosted by Hannah Weber, Jen Ray, and Claire Schweitzer. Edited by the Frameform team. Mix and theme song by myself, Mason Carlton. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.